0: I host another podcast called Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. My latest episode as of this recording is called When Your Friends and Family Get Convinced That You're the Hurtful One. If that's something happening in your life where someone is hurting you but other people think you're the quote bad guy, check out that episode today. It's going to be very helpful. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and give you the tools to show up as your authentic self. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. I am so glad that you are here and are listening. And at the same time, I have to warn you, this is an episode about loss. It's about losing someone you love or a pet, you know, anything that you care about when they are lost in from your life, when they pass on, or when they leave you. When they leave you and you feel loss and you are grieving or are sad or are lonely, there's a lot of emotions tied up in loss. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about. What we go through, and um, I mean, I probably don't have to explain what we go through because you know what we go through. You know what loss feels like. If you don't, then maybe you're you're very young, you haven't experienced it yet. But as you get older, you experience loss. It's not fun. It's like the opposite of fun. Uh, but we can get through it. We can manage but it takes a while. Loss actually creates a lot of thoughts and emotions and it's very traumatic. Much loss is traumatic, not all of it. Some loss is welcome. Sometimes you lose something and you're okay with it. Sometimes it's bittersweet. Sometimes uh, it was painful for the loss and there was a benefit to that loss. And maybe you don't like the word benefit, but uh, there was something to gain from the loss. So we're going to talk about this today, and I'm not going to be uh, presenting loss in a way of how to necessarily get over it, because we all grieve differently, we all get through loss differently, but I want to touch upon it to help you connect with loss in your life at a deeper level. I think it's important to access what loss does to us at the deepest level we can get to. Now, this may be painful. Maybe you don't want to visit that, and I welcome you not to. I welcome you not to visit that pain or that suffering or whatever you're feeling, the emotions that are tied up in it. I welcome you not to visit that loss, and I welcome you to shut this off. You can absolutely shut this off and uh, not tune into it again until you're ready. So you may not be ready to touch upon the deepest parts of loss and what it does to you inside. Or maybe you are. Maybe you will connect with something deeper than before or maybe connect with something that you already connected with but haven't quite uh, reached a better space inside yourself with. Like I said, almost all of us know what loss feels like. And, you know, loss changes throughout the years. When you're a child, the loss of a toy can be painful. The loss of a friend, even a friend moving away, friend going to another school, that can be painful. So we have uh, different measures of loss as we go throughout life. And I've noticed in my life as I've grown older, now I'm 51 as of this recording, as I've grown up and grown older, loss has certainly changed. The feelings of losing something or someone. And in fact, just so you know, uh, if you've lost a pet or anything that you really uh, are having a hard time with or have had a hard time with, From this point on, I'm going to call every loss a someone or a person, but if it's a pet for you or something else, then just change the word from person to pet or whatever it is for you. But it's going to be a lot easier if I can just talk about one particular thing and just call the word person or someone or them. That way it's easier for me. Loss, however, is definitely not easy. I think there's a reason we call it loss. It reminds us of losing. Loss, losing, I think it's the same root word, or maybe the Latin root word. But when you lose something, it's not often associated with something positive. And I'm kind of stating the obvious here. I know, actually, I'm stating the obvious. But what I'm going to do in this particular episode is give you a few metaphors and give you some access to some deeper stuff inside of you. If you've been wanting to connect with this deeper stuff just to reach some sort of closure with your loss, this episode could be helpful. I'm not going to call this particular episode a practical uh, learning episode. It's more of a a symbolic episode. It's a way to connect with yourself and what's going on inside of you so that uh, if you are still holding on to something painful or sad or in some way emotionally hurtful that maybe just by connecting with that uh, deepest part or even deeper there can be some release there can be some processing that goes on maybe even subconsciously maybe way in the background That's my favorite. (laughs) I like dealing with loss subconsciously. That's like telling yourself, uh, why don't you deal with it so I can just continue on with my life? You're talking to yourself. You're talking to the the part of yourself that is unconscious. Hey, why don't you deal with that because it's too painful for me. I don't want to deal with that. Why don't you deal with that so I can continue moving on with my life, and life doesn't have to come to a complete stop. That is one thing that loss will do to us. It will cause life, a lot of times, to come to a complete stop. And sometimes it will go in reverse. Sometimes it will go in the opposite direction that we want it to go. But certainly, depending on the depth or intensity of the loss, uh, you'll have a lot of changes inside of you. And life will have seemed to have slowed down to a crawl or a complete stop. But that's okay. In fact, I'm going to repeat that to you over and over again in this episode. It's okay. It's okay if life comes to a stop for a while. It's okay if you feel like you're at the bottom of the well and there's no way to get out and it's dark and cold It's not pleasant to have to deal with loss and think about some of the stuff that I'm bringing up today. But if you're ready to maybe let some of this go in a good way, not let the person go, but let the feelings that aren't necessarily beneficial to you, let some of those go there's one thing I've learned is that the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions, everything associated with loss, it heals. Now, there are some emotions that may never go away. This is the scary part for some people. But we're going to get into that when we come back because I want to expand on that. There are certain emotions that will probably never go away. And then there are other emotions emotions that are supposed to be fleeting. They're supposed to be fleeting. You're supposed to feel a certain way for a certain period of time and we'll even talk about how long it may take or it should take. Now some people grieve for a long time and uh that's not a good thing. Grieving is different than sadness and sadness is different then anger, and anger is different than loneliness. These are all separate emotions, and there's probably little mini-emotions that we've not yet named. You know, we've not come up with a word to name some of these emotions, especially the more painful ones. But I think uh, we've done a pretty good job over the years naming emotions. It, it is helpful to have names for our emotions, and at least we can get as close as possible. But Just keep in mind that there are some emotions that may stick around. The good news is they probably won't be there all the time, but they come and go. They come and go, and that's important to know that that's normal. Some emotions come and go, and that's normal. So we will be right back. I'm going to lift your spirits up a bit, talking about things I love to tell you about, coming up right now. talking about loss today and I told you I was going to lift your spirits a little bit and this is the kind of stuff I like to talk about. Um, The more fun stuff. There's a casual mobile puzzle game that I've told you about before in other episodes but I have noticed that having something to pass the time when you're not processing all this deeper stuff can be quite helpful. It can be quite healing and the mobile game I'm currently playing is called Best Fiends. And I'm not saying Best Fiends is a healing game, but it certainly is something to help you pass the time while you're going through any type of loss or any event in your life. It is one of those games that you can really become obsessed trying to get to the next level. And I see this game as being very helpful for whatever you're doing, whatever you need to do to pass the time so that you can get through the moment Whether you're just waiting in line or you're dealing with something that's hard to deal with and you just want to get away for a little bit, you can play what I call the perfect pick-me-up. And maybe you need a pick-me-up during the holidays. (laughs) I'm recording this during Christmas and New Year's. And uh, wow, you know, sometimes a lot of the drama comes out during this time. Just a lot of tension. a lot of stuff going on for some people. Sometimes you have no problems and sometimes uh, family can be a little challenging. But there's always Best Fiends. So they may not be your best friends, but your Best Fiends are going to allow you to enjoy yourself and, uh, I don't know, maybe avoid the drama. (laughs) Best Fiends has it all. It's an amazing storyline, collectible fiends, and a ton of fun puzzles. Very hard to put down and quite possibly the best puzzle game out there. Head over to Google Play or the Apple App Store. Download Best Fiends today. That's friends without the R. Best fiends. And when you reach level 500, let me know. I want to be impressed. You know, I said I wanted to uplift you during this segment, and uh, the first thing I told you about was Best Fiends. The next fun thing I'm going to tell you about is Monk Pack. M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K. Monk Pack is a plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO, low-sugar, keto-friendly bar. And what I mean by that is that they're the perfect snack for anyone trying to Eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. And that is so important. The sugar part is so important for me because I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic about five years ago. And um, that really was a wake-up call. That really caused me to make different decisions and um, I had to cut out a lot of things from my diet and one of the things I had to cut out because I started reading labels (laughs) was a lot of the snack bars and breakfast bars and meal replacement bars that you see out there and I've been looking for a bar that is not loaded with sugar. This is it. This is the only one I've seen that isn't loaded with sugar It has one gram or less of sugar and about two to three grams of net carbs and each bar contains about hundred and fifty calories or less and so I got the starter pack and it gives me a taste of all the flavors delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate coconut cocoa chip my favorite and caramel sea salt and one thing I've noticed since I started is that I don't fill up at mealtime when I get hungry throughout the day I can have a monk pack bar And then I don't stuff myself with food when it comes to my bigger meals. So I am so grateful for Monk Pack. I'm about to dig into one now, the Coconut Cocoa Chip. I love coconut. And uh, it gives me the alternative I've been looking for for a long time. you got to try it. Head over to MonkPack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com forward slash brain. You'll get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product. And make sure you enter the code BRAIN at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. monkpack.com M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com forward slash brain. Use the code word BRAIN at checkout to save 20% off your purchase today. Welcome back. Like I said, this is the loss episode. and. I also said I was going to speak more symbolically, more about um, offering some metaphors to help you access maybe some of the deeper stuff inside you. Because I think it's important if we're carrying around something that we haven't received closure on, some sort of pain, some sort of loss, that if we don't receive any closure or at least attempt to get as close as we can to some sort of closure, it affects our happiness, our decision-making, our life. The, the stuff, the repressed stuff that we carry around affects our life. And I went many, many years holding on to the closest I could get to happiness was not being sad. My definition of happiness was not being sad. And you know what? I do believe that's not too far from the definition of happiness quite honestly i think when we look at what makes us happy i think if we remove what makes us sad i mean this may not be possible but if we remove everything that makes us sad what do we have left some people are going to say well we could have apathy we could be neutral we could just be balanced we might feel kind of middle of the road sometimes feeling neutral is a happy place because I'm not talking about detached from your emotions I'm talking about what makes you unhappy if that was removed how would you feel instead now I believe happiness is a fleeting emotion it's not supposed to be permanent I would rather feel neutral most of the time than happy all the time <laughs> That sounds counterintuitive, but do you really want to be happy all the time? I'm still happy. I'm still happy. I'm watching this sad movie, and I'm still happy. Oh, my dog just died. I'm still happy. I wouldn't. I I don't think it's a good thing, but I'm not going to take that away from you if that's what you want, especially. There are people out there that have experienced so much loss, so much pain, that they would rather be happy all the time. Then there are people like my mom who are in denial and pretend they're happy all the time. (laughs) That's not very fair because she's actually uh, changed over the years and she knows I talk about her on the air. I I tell her this stuff. But uh, she has been in denial for a long time, but she was in a 40 plus year abusive relationship. So her denial was her coping mechanism. It was how she got through it and it really helped her. So it was a big change for her to not be in that relationship anymore. And now in a great relationship where she doesn't feel like uh, she's going to be abused at any moment, and um, she's shifting, she's realizing that it's better to be emotive, to be expressive, than to hold back and throw a smile on and pretend nothing's wrong. It can take a while to get from a completely denying state to an expressive state. But I think it's a healthy way to go. I mean, I know it is. <laughs> I know it is. I used to be this way. I got it from my mom. It's a, it's a much healthier way to go, to be expressive, because of what I already said, meaning you don't want to hold this stuff. You don't want to hold on to it. And denial is a way to keep it down. If you want to feel like there's more to life, then deny the bad stuff deny what you don't want to face. In other words, if you want to feel that there's more to life and there is a way to reach it and access it, don't deny. Don't deny what's going on in your life. Don't deny what's happening. Just be honest with yourself. Maybe be honest with others. You may have to do that. So let's get into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to access my notes here so I wrote that uh, loss is like losing a part of yourself it's a part that feels good when the other person is there but then feels bad knowing you can never see them again loss of someone you care about takes the good that you felt with them and uh, removes it it takes it away and on top of that, the good that left sometimes gets replaced with sadness and other emotional pain. And you may realize some of this. You may know it well. But I want to help you connect, like I said. And we're just going to go through this and let's see where we go with it. And I'm going to be uh, pacing this a little slower than normal. I really want you to connect with this stuff. So, um, like I said, I'm going to talk about loss in relation to a person. So, If if person doesn't apply to you, just change that word to what does. I look at loss as a full heart that becomes half-full, but it feels empty. It's that heart that loses something and the heart was holding on to all the experiences and all the emotions and connections that you had with someone. And then when they leave, or they pass on, or wherever they go, when you can no longer connect with them, an emptiness comes over you. In fact, the people in our lives, we identify with them in the sense that our identity is uh, updated or formed with them in it. They are part of our identity. What was once we is now just I. Or me. What was once us is now just you or me. Loss is losing a part of yourself. That part feels good when the other person is there, but then feels bad knowing you can never see them again. After my father passed on, I um I was okay. My father died and he was dying of cancer, and when he died I knew it was coming. I was prepared. I had walked my th- myself through the process of his death uh, many, many years ago. I imagined him dying, and I went through every step of the process and how I'd feel and then felt those feelings. And then years later when he died, I was able to handle that quite okay. I was, I was okay. My mom really lost it. <laughs> she didn't know he died, and I was already comfortable inside of me. And when I told my mom, who had been divorced from him for 45 years or or so uh, she started crying because it really affected her. Um, She wasn't prepared. I call that a shock to your system when you're not prepared for the loss. Loss takes time. But years later, like even recently, I start thinking about my dad and I feel this sadness come over me because there were things I wanted to share with him and I didn't even know it. I didn't know I wanted to share things with him. There were some things about my dad that bugged me, but um, there were some things about my dad that maybe I wanted to connect with again and I didn't realize it. It's another thing loss does is that it reveals what might still be in your life that you want to share with the person. I didn't realize some of the things in my life I wanted to share with my dad until years later like I said even recently. Something came up I think a couple months ago and I thought it would be so cool to share this with my dad. And Even now I'm, I'm feeling a sadness hit me, it, it hits me and I tear up and um, I don't fully understand why even though I understand exactly why. Loss is huge. It has an impact on you. And that impact can be lifelong. It can last all your life. But sadness is a fleeting emotion. You can feel sad for a certain period of time and then you don't feel sad. Maybe you feel something else. Maybe you feel nothing. But sadness, just like happiness, doesn't continue indefinitely. It comes and it goes. Now grieving is a different story. Grieving is temporary and it needs to be. In fact, I told you I think in the last segment that um, there are emotions that are temporary that you're not really supposed to have after a certain period of time. I look at grieving of any loss a uh, six month to twelve month ordeal. If you need to grieve You should grieve. You should allow yourself to grieve. Grieving to me is just letting it all out. Just crying if you have to. Screaming if you have to. Even being angry if you have to. If you have to be angry at someone that died, don't feel guilty about that. Allow yourself to feel it. I get many emails and some of them are about someone's guilt about being angry at the person who died. Like they felt that they shouldn't be angry because the person's dead. So that's really unfair to be angry at someone who died because it's almost like and this is not what they said but this is what I'm concluding. It's almost like their death should make up for whatever wrongdoing they did or perceived wrongdoing. There are People that have died that have been terribly abusive to some of the people who have written me, yet when they died, there was still guilt on the victim of that abuse. There was still guilt in their conscience. And because of that, they've had trouble processing and continuing life without feeling guilty because this person died. And maybe one of the reasons one would feel guilt after someone so hurtful has died is because... Perhaps there was a small wish they would. That may not feel good when I say that, if you've ever had that thought. But there sometimes are thoughts that go through our head that uh, wish someone dead. I'm here to tell you it's okay. It's okay if you've ever thought that. It's okay. In fact, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's healthy. I'm not saying you should ever act on it. I'm just saying the thought, to have that thought is healthy only because I would rather you have a thought and allow it to be expressed inside of you or to a safe person, therapist, best friend, uh, knowing that they're not going to judge you for it. I would rather have you materialize that thought than to tell yourself, oh, I shouldn't think that. That goes right back to denial. I don't want you to tell you you shouldn't think anything. If that's in your head, then you're thinking it. (laughs) It's happening. Don't disallow that. Don't deny it. It's a thought. It's not a behavior. It's a thought. I've had thoughts of my stepfather. He would be better off dead. I don't like saying that out loud. It doesn't feel good. I never do because it doesn't feel good. There's like, I don't know, some karma there. (laughs) I don't want that to happen to me. But I've had the thought our family would be happier if he were, you know what? But what happens inside my head after I allow that thought is something uh, a little bit healing, a little bit cathartic. I guess what happens is a validation. There's a self-validation that occurs. You know, I I allowed myself to have that thought, and then um, nothing else popped in my head and said, "You shouldn't say that." You shouldn't say. You shouldn't think that. That's awful. Don't think that. I mean, it may have occurred. Something like that may have happened, but when it does, I follow that up and say, "No, it's okay." It's only a thought. It's only something that crossed my mind. And the reason it's okay, this is the only reason I can think of that it's okay, is because if you bury it, if you deny it, if you invalidate your thought or invalidate yourself for having the thought, I believe it adds to the negative emotions in that emotional pool or emotional well inside of you. I believe stuffing that thought down causes you to carry something deep inside you that is not helpful and even harmful. This is not a therapy show. I am not telling you that this is what you need to do or this is 100% fact. I'm just giving you my experience, what I've done in my own life, what I've done with clients, that when you push or stuff something down, something that you don't want to deal with, It always eats away at you at some way, at some level. And it always keeps you from feeling good and feeling comfortable and feeling happy. It's like um, the last episode I talked about those deep, deep emotions that are buried way down there. That could be grief. That could be some sort of um, processing of loss that we haven't done yet. And it could be other things like guilt and shame and embarrassment. All those emotions that we might stuff down there that we don't process and have thoughts about and then invalidate those thoughts, they continue on with us and cause problems in our life and in our relationships. So that's why I'm okay having the thought. I'm not okay acting upon the thought unless the acting upon is going to work out so you can get through the stress of it or, you know, something productive for you. But you know what I mean. You don't want to act on certain thoughts that you have. That's common sense, of course. But I want to put that out there that the thought is okay. The thought is okay. I've had people write to me and say, look, I have some dark thoughts. I have some very dark thoughts. And they're worried, like, what should I do? And I ask, are you acting on these thoughts? And they say, well, no, I'm not acting on these thoughts. And I said, that's great. (laughs) That's great. That's a a very good way to deal with dark thoughts, is to not act on them. But I still feel them, I still think them, and I want to do these things. Yeah, you probably do. I I understand. But they're just thoughts. And I'm not saying that maybe you shouldn't talk to a professional if they are continuing to be pervasive and all that. Uh, I do have episodes on obsessive thinking. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Type in the word obsess in the search field and you'll see quite a few episodes or articles I've talked about that. Very, very helpful in case you just can't get certain thoughts out of your mind. I just want you to have some sort of resource that will help you out just in case you're in that space. But grieving is sort of an obsessive thing. We grieve uh, for many reasons, but um, one of the reasons might be a fear that you'll never be happy again. So when you have any dark thoughts, don't put yourself down. Don't think you're a bad person because a lot of us have dark thoughts. A lot of us have dark thoughts. I've had a lot of dark thoughts in my life, but I've turned them into a therapeutic process in my mind. I'll explore those dark thoughts. That might be a a direction to take. What would happen if that dark thought became true And uh, it happened. Oh, I wouldn't want that to happen, but if it came true, well, okay, yeah, I understand. I'm going to go through the process. I'm going to pretend it comes true. What happens next? And you might have to go through that in your mind's eye to find out what happens next after the dark thought becomes true. I mean, again, we don't want it to come true, but after the dark thought becomes true, and what would happen after that? Okay, you know, I would have to do the X, Y, Z. And then what would happen after that? And then as you go through the process, you'll notice that as you address these dark thoughts, they tend to lose their impact on you. They tend to lose some of the energy they had that was building up inside of you. So it can be very helpful to not put yourself down for the dark thoughts. And like I said, you might have to do that with someone like a professional or someone safe that can hear you and not be judgmental and just say, "Okay, you know, thanks for sharing that with me." Sometimes you need someone like that that can say, "Thanks for sharing that with me." I'll never forget when my uh, friend told me, you know, I sometimes have suicidal thoughts. And I said, "Wow, really? You know, I used to have those too." And I said, that's all I said. I didn't say, what? You should call the suicide hotline. I didn't say any of that stuff. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm just letting my friend know it's okay to have these dark thoughts. And he went on, and you know, my dad this and my mom that. And, you know, I'm pretty sad sometimes or I feel disconnected or whatever he told me. And he said, you know, I just sometimes have these thoughts. And I said, well, you know, I I hope you never act upon those thoughts, but I just want to let you know that I've felt that way too. And thank you so much for sharing that with me. And he paused (laughs) and he looked at me and um, I don't think he was too surprised because he knew me pretty well, but it was, I think, a productive outcome because there was an allowance for him to share something that was probably scary to share because how do we normally react to news like that I mean I don't want my friend to die if I were a different person I might say what you're suicidal I can't believe you're you're telling me this why aren't you getting help that might be something that somebody else might say and again I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm, I'm not saying it's right it's very difficult and when somebody comments about something very dark that could certainly hurt them or take their life but I realized that um, these thoughts, these darker thoughts that we might have inside our heads, or other people that we love have inside their heads, if they're not expressed, they get repressed, and then we become depressed. They need to be let out, they need to be out into the world. So I went down a little dark thought path there, but I want to talk about some more about loss. So I. I was talking about how loss involves grieving. My philosophy is not to grieve past a year. I know it's weird to put a time limit. Everyone grieves differently and for a different time period. But I like to live by the philosophy that grieving past a year uh, is hurtful. I mean, it can be harmful. not Maybe not hurtful, but it can be harmful. It can be harmful mentally and emotionally because after a year, if you've not processed to the point where the grieving can stop. I'm not saying the sadness stops. I'm not saying the the feeling of maybe loneliness or whatever other thoughts, emotions, and feelings are in there. I'm not saying all of it stops, but grieving is a process. Grieving has uh, steps that most people go through, and you can look those steps up online. I don't really talk about the steps on this show too often, because they're easy to find. You can go online and Look up the stages of grief. But when you grieve, I believe in a time limit. The reason I put a time limit on it is because I want to know when the grieving has gone on too long. I want to know. I want to know if I should be in a different space. That doesn't mean that if you've been grieving more than a year that there's something wrong or broken. It's perfectly fine. But I do think it's important to be conscientious of how long you've grieved and at what stage maybe you need to be next and uh, if you haven't reached a certain stage perhaps it's time to work on that like I know someone that uh, couldn't get past the death of her father just couldn't do it it was just it was too shocking and it was too hard and he didn't want to get past that he didn't want to believe it was true and so he stayed grieving for so long and um, I don't know if he heard one of my episodes or where he finally got to that point but I remember him telling me I finally accepted that my father will no longer be in my life that was very very hard for him and a lot of people very hard for a lot of people to accept that you'll never ever see that person again You know, this doesn't have to be death. It could be a breakup. It could be a betrayal. There's a lot of loss and betrayal. But almost all loss involves grieving. And almost all grieving, or all grieving, really involves acceptance. Acceptance that it happened. And I will never see them again. At least, you know, depending on your beliefs. Depending on what you believe, you may see them again at some other time and some other life and some other afterlife. But right now, there has to be an acceptance. And that doesn't mean if you haven't grieved enough, you can't continue grieving. But there is a point, and I like to put the deadline at a year, that, yeah, the grieving will stop. And if it doesn't, we need to look at it. Now, grieving is not the same as sadness or loneliness. Like I said Grieving is a temporary feeling. You're supposed to grieve when you lose someone you love. I might even call the emotion you feel, uh, I don't think I'm the first to coin this term, but traumotion. It's trauma and emotion in the same word. It's the emotion you experience during trauma. So if you're experiencing a loss right now, that's traumatic. I mean, it can be, it can be very traumatic. It's that trauma ocean. It's not pre- or post-trauma. It's present trauma. You are going through it. And no matter how much you prepare, when you're surprised by a traumatic event, it will be emotional and painful. And that's normal. And as much as you don't want to hear this, it's okay. It's okay to have these feelings. It's okay to experience a loss. It's okay to... Not be okay. That's okay too. <laughs> it's okay. The pain you feel is normal and healthy. Grieving is healthy. Sometimes it's a required purge because of that shock to your system. And again, that purge, the grieving process, can last for months. And when you lose someone you love and it hurts, remember to cry. Loss can be a boat without oars where you feel like you're going downstream with no way to steer or stop. I say allow the river to take you there. Wherever it's going to take you, allow that river to take you there. Some of this, like I said, is symbolic. That's how I picture it sometimes. You're on a boat without oars, and uh, you're just lost. You're just waiting for the river to send you to shore, hopefully before the big waterfall. <laughs> we don't want to experience that, but we want to get to shore. Where's the shore? When's it coming? Sometimes these visuals can help with uh, the processing too because we can apply the emotion to the visual. We can imagine ourselves in that boat or in whatever visual you want to use and apply that emotion. I feel so lost. I feel so sad. I used to have this person to help me. I used to have oars to steer. And now I feel like I'm just going down the river without any way to navigate. Loss is a light going out and you're in the room trying to find the switch. The good news is that you can adjust to the darkness. You can see your way around eventually. I don't know if you ever walk around in your house at night but um, when you first shut the lights out after a long day you can't see anything. It's super dark unless you live next to a neon sign but you shut the lights out and it's just too dark to see but after a little while your eyes adjust and then you're able to see outlines and silhouettes and then you're able to get around and I see that happening with loss too because you're going through the darkness you feel very unguided you feel very alone and um, you do find the switch you find the light switch and it's okay not to turn it on if you don't want to. This is part of that closure. You may not want to turn on that light switch yet, but you'll know where it is, and when you're ready, you can turn it on. i got a few more things to share. Loss brings up our fears and insecurities. I remember when my first girlfriend broke up with me, my fear of abandonment came up. I was very young, and I cried my eyes out. (laughs) I mean, actually, I wasn't that young. I was like 19. But she said, "Uh, I don't think I want to be with you anymore. And uh, that was my first real breakup. And I cried my eyes out. I was 19, and I cried and cried. And um, I felt so alone. I felt rejected I felt like happiness was never going to return. So I had all these thoughts and feelings and all my fears and insecurities were coming up to a head and it was so difficult. And like I said earlier, when you're younger, loss is a lot harder to deal with, especially because it's the first time. It's a, it's a first time to deal with loss. If you're a younger stage in life and you've never experienced a loss or a breakup or anything like that, uh, it is hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It is so hard. And you will get through it. It's just hard because you haven't done it before, or at least at that level maybe. You will get through it. No matter what age you are, of course. You will get through it. I look at it this way. The younger you are, the harder the loss is to accept. But again, age really doesn't matter. Only experience. Once you experience enough losses throughout your life, you do become a little bit more resilient. It doesn't make anything easier. It doesn't mean you're suddenly a pro at uh, dealing with losses. Well, sometimes you can be, depending on how much loss. But it's not that you can tolerate the loss. It's that you know you can survive it. And if you haven't experienced certain losses, uh, you may not believe you can survive it. But it passes. Even any thoughts of self-harm and suicide, if you allow it to, it will pass. And if you believe it won't, that's okay too. That's okay. I won't tell you you shouldn't believe that. I won't tell you that you're wrong. All I know is that every time I've felt that way, it has passed, but always remember to work on yourself. Always remember that you should be at a certain stage in your grieving and your processing and your healing, and that if you felt stuck for more than a year, because that's my timeline typically, if you felt stuck for more than a year, then it's time to look a little deeper. And This is what I'm trying to connect you with in this episode. If you are stuck at any point in the loss process or you're going through that now, let's connect with it. Let's bring it up. Let's make this happen. Let's make it so that we can uh, get it out of our system and free some room in there. Free some room for something nice, something better, something more healing, more pleasant. Again, it doesn't mean you'll stop being sad. I'm still sad about the losses I've had in my life, and maybe you are too. It still happens. I think of my dad, I think of my cat, I think of my grandmother, all these thoughts that come up. Uh, I even think of people that are still alive in my life. I've lost connection with them and it makes me sad. Even the abusive person, my stepfather in my life, it's sad to have no connection with him. and At the same time, it's bittersweet because I don't want a connection with him. I validated that thought. (laughs) I validated the thought that it's okay. To want it and not want it. I validated that it's okay to think he's a jerk and I've had thoughts that I wish he were gone and at the same time that's not what I really think. But I had the thought and it's okay to have thoughts. They're just thoughts. Let me finish up and say sadness hurts. I get it. It does hurt to be sad but again sadness doesn't last. It transforms as you go through your days. You might even be sad for several hours one day and then not sad for a half an hour and then get sad again later on the same day. But it's not consistent. It's not continuous. It does take breaks. I know it takes breaks because you eventually sleep. (laughs) I like to look at it this way. Sometimes I save my sadness for when I'm sleeping doesn't that give you bad dreams? No, because my subconscious mind treats sadness in a whole different way than my conscious mind. Consciously, we're going to grieve, we're going to be sad, we're going to be angry, we're going to be all kinds of stuff. We're going to feel all this negativity. But when we go to sleep, our brain does things with these emotions and starts making these visuals in our dreams and in the dream, we have the emotions that we felt during the day, and this is kind of theoretical on my part, but this is what has happened and this is what I've learned, is that when we dream and we have emotions in our dreams, that is the way for the brain to process what we've been feeling throughout the day or days. So we might have a dream about, uh, I don't know, hammering our toe, you know, hammer comes down on our toe, oh, that hurts, and we get angry maybe the anger isn't about the hammer or the toe maybe it's the anger we felt the other day or today that uh, is now coming through our subconscious mind for processing and you know sometimes we wake up feeling the emotion and it's not pleasant and then we have a bad day we can have a bad day sometimes because we woke up feeling this emotion i'll tell you something i did and If you've been listening a while, you've heard me talk about this before, but I used to wake up with anxiety. Just wake up, and and I wouldn't understand why I was waking up with it, because I would do the exercise. I would wake up, and my exercise would be, okay, what's my first thought? What was the first thought I had when waking up? And I couldn't come up with anything. In fact, I started practicing, as soon as I wake up, how do I feel? That that would be my first question. As soon as I woke up, no thought would enter my head except that question. So I'd come out of my sleep and then I'd ask, how do I feel? And I felt anxious. (laughs) And I thought, what the heck? So it's not the first thought I have coming out of the sleep state. It must be something happening overnight. It must be something happening in my dreams. And so I started taking notes about what dreams I was having. I used a little recorder. I would talk into the recorder and I realized how many nightmares I was having. Gee, you know, where are these nightmares coming from? What the heck? They were manifesting from my emotions. And so I would feel afraid in my dreams. I would feel alone in my dreams. I would feel anxious in my dreams. And I would wake up in a sweat because my heart was pounding so I realized this is where all this anxiety was coming from so once I figured it out I tried to not have those dreams but that was impossible I didn't associate the emotions during the day with the dreams I was having at night so that wasn't going to change my dreams so I really didn't have any place to go I didn't know what to do I didn't want to keep having these dreams I definitely resisted it I definitely resisted which of course, what we resist persists. I don't want these dreams. Guess what? You're going to have them. But I don't want them. Well, you'll probably have them because you don't want them so badly. <laughs> and that's what happened. I didn't want them so badly, or at least I was so against them, that um, it caused me to have more dreams because I didn't want them, because what we resist persists. It even amplifies. What we resist amplifies. So I would wake up, have the anxiety, Crappy day. Next day, wake up, have the anxiety, crappy day. And I think it went on for weeks or maybe months. It might have been like two months. And one day I said, I am so sick of this SH, you know, crap. I was so sick of it. I was done. I couldn't stand these dreams. I'd be running from aliens, I'd be in dark places and running away from monsters. I was just in a terrible state. I hated it. And so I was so sick of it that the thought occurred to me that I would rather just die in my dream because in my dream, I was always afraid of death. I was always running away, running away because I might die. So I just said something like that. I don't even know if I said those words, but I would rather just die in my dream than have to deal with this. So bring it on. This is the day I developed a bring-it-on attitude and a bring-it-on coping mechanism. I told myself, you know, bring it on. Or I told whatever was causing these dreams, just bring it on. Bring me the worst you got. Bring it on. And I was serious. I didn't care anymore. I was sick of it. I reached my breaking point And I said, bring it on. Make tonight the worst night ever. I'm not saying you should do this. I'm saying I did this. I said, give me the worst dream possible where I get caught, I get cut up, I get eaten, I don't care. And that was very empowering (laughs) to say something like that, to say, bring it on. I don't care. And then I swear this is what happened. I went to sleep and I had pleasant dreams and I woke up without anxiety okay Paul you just got lucky right no night after night after night from that point forward I maybe have only had a total of five nightmares in the past how long has it been 15 20 years that's how much this changed my life just to say bring it on bring me the worst you got I told myself that and it took away the resistance. And by removing the resistance and allowing whatever was in there to come, I was facing the worst fear and the worst emotional suffering that, of course, I didn't want at a deeper level, but I was sick of it. And I'd rather just have it all end. And if that means the monster in my dream has to catch me and kill me, so be it. And then I never had a nightmare again. Like I said, maybe like five times for different various reasons, but certainly nothing like that ever again. So I wanted to share that and all this stuff today with you as a way to connect with something deeper and maybe give you some coping skills or things to work on just in case you're going through any loss in your life or haven't dealt with some loss that you've gone through. It may have been a heavy episode for you, but uh, sometimes we have to do this. Sometimes we have to talk about this stuff. Sometimes we have to put it on the table and say, yeah, that's what's going on in my life. I'll deal with it. Put it on the table. I don't want to, but that's just the way it is. I'm going to deal with it. And then, you know, if you don't deal with it this time, at least you looked at it for a second. (laughs) You put it out there and say, "Eh, I'll deal with that a little later. But you're not denying it. You're not pushing it down and keeping it there forever. You're just bringing it up. And loss brings up a lot of stuff. During the end of this episode, I'll give you a couple of things you can practice when it comes to all the emotions that come up with loss. And it might help you through whatever you're dealing with. And of course, theoverwhelmedbrain.com talks about uh, obsession. There are a few episodes there that will help you through any obsessive thoughts that you have but um, it's important to know that loss will bring up a lot of stuff that you may or may not know is in there and you may not understand how much of an attachment you had to the person that you've lost, but sometimes the attachment is revealed or how much of the attachment is revealed after the person is gone. And uh, sometimes you can't avoid the shock to your system and even when you were expecting the loss, It can come out of nowhere, and now you have all these emotions that you didn't realize you'd have, or at least realize the intensity of having. So, I hope I was able to connect with you at some deeper level today, and uh, I hope this is helpful. We'll be back with my thank yous and my goodbyes right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank today's sponsors, Best Fiends. If you want to brighten your mood, check out Best Fiends at Google Play or the Apple App Store and get a very fun casual mobile puzzle game. I also want to thank Monk Pack. Man, those things are good. (laughs) Check them out at MonkPack.com forward slash brain. And remember, Monk is spelled M-U-N-K. That's MonkPack.com forward slash brain. And get 20% off your first order today. I'd like to thank all the patrons in the patron program over at moretob.com, like John and Chris and Emily and Wanda and Elaine and so many more. I don't have the entire list in front of me today, so it's going to be short. (laughs) But I am so grateful for you. Thank you for your financial support. I appreciate you. I am so grateful that you take the time and the money to show your support. And uh, not everyone's in a position to do that. But if you are and you find value in the show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com, and you have some options there. And I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, Love and Abuse is my other podcast. Loveandabuse.com is where you can go to help you navigate the difficult relationship. And if you figure out that you are the difficult person in the relationship and maybe you're doing toxic or hurtful behavior, go to healedbeing.com, and I have a program for those who believe they're hurtful and they want to change. That's healedbeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And like I said, I want to give you a couple tools to work with when you're dealing with the emotions that come up from loss. Uh, I forget if I talked about this in the last episode, so I apologize if this is a repeat, but it's sometimes good to hear this, and I sometimes say it a different way different times. But um, the first thing uh, is something called first and third person view, or uh, association and dissociation. In fact, I do think I talked about this recently, but it's a very helpful tool association and dissociation. And this has to do with memories. So I want you to remember an event that happened to you, something mild, maybe something even pleasant. Well, think of a pleasant memory. Now, when you think of this pleasant memory, I want you to remember it through your own eyes, you know, seeing what you saw through your own eyes back then. It's a first-person perspective, hearing what you heard through your own ears and feeling the feelings of being there, totally immersed, seeing everything the way you saw it back then and feeling it at the same time. And really get into that space and even amplify what's going on. If you have a, a good feeling, amplify it. If you see colors, amplify those colors. And you're seeing all of this through your own eyes, as if you went back in time and opened your eyes and this is what you saw. This is associated. You are associated to the memory and you are in it. You are immersed in it. And it's a a strong feeling, or at least it is stronger than the next little visual I'm going to give you, which is dissociation. So now I'm going to have you wipe the screen of your mind and um, think of a cute animal. (laughs) This is something I learned in NLP. It's association and dissociation, but we have to reset between each one. So we're going to reset. Think of a cute animal and um, petting that animal maybe or just looking at it. It's so cute. It's so cute. And uh, now I want you to have this same memory dissociated. And what that means is you see yourself over there in the event. So you're not looking through your own eyes anymore while you are because you're seeing yourself over there, but what you're seeing is it's happening to you over there. So this pleasant event is happening over there, and you're witnessing it from 20, 30, 50 feet away, maybe farther. What this is is dissociated. You're not in the experience. You're observing the experience. With you in it over there, you can see yourself You can see your body, you can see whatever you're wearing or not wearing, and you notice that person over there having a pleasant event. So seeing that person over there, how does that make you feel? Is it any different? Is it a different feeling? The answer should be yes, because if you're seeing yourself over there enjoying the pleasant memory, it's not going to seem as pleasant watching it. It might be enjoyable but you're not in the same sensory experience which dissociates you. It, it disconnects you from all your senses over there. So that's what association and dissociation when it comes to memories uh, is. It's, it's remembering the event either first person or third person. How does this help? This helps when you have a negative emotion coming through you because of the loss you can think of something that happened to you, some sort of event, some memory, and you can choose whether to remember it in third or first person. You can choose it. Okay, that's a bad memory, so that makes me feel bad when I remember it in first person. So, what I'm going to do is remember it in third person. Oh, there I am over there, and the memory isn't as bad. It's happening to that person. Then you might say, Well, it still feels bad. I know it's happening. Well, then you can do something called a double dissociation. (laughs) The double dissociation is you see yourself watching yourself over there. So now there's like three of you. (laughs) There's the person you are watching the person over there, watching the person over there. That kind of disconnects the emotions even more. That can be helpful when you have something negative that you don't want to really feel as much. I'm not saying you should deny it or repress it. I'm not talking about that at all. Um, I'm actually giving you this exercise because if you are dealing with some negative stuff and every time you think about it, you're in it and it's very post-traumatic-like, like like you're re-experiencing the trauma, then it might be helpful to re-experience the trauma uh, a little bit more distanced, dissociated. I'm not saying it's helpful to re-experience trauma. That's, don't get me wrong. I'm saying that if it's in there, it's not that I'm saying push it back down. I'm saying, okay, if we're going to go through this and we're going to process it, let's just see it happening over there. That might be easier. So that's one little trick, one little tool. The other thing I wanted to share is a little exercise that um, I think might be helpful. What ends up happening when you experience a loss is you have a number of thoughts and feelings and emotions. I want you to write down each emotion that you have about a loss. For me, I might write down sadness. There might be some anger in there. There might be some regret. There might be other things too. There might be a lot in there. And I'm going to write those down, just individual words, um, or, you know, you could two or three words at a time or whatever is necessary to get that emotion on paper of some sort. And then with each emotion, ask yourself the following question. Why do I feel this? Why do I feel that emotion? So if it was um, sadness, why do I feel sadness? And you're not allowed to say, well, anyone would feel sad. You're not allowed to say, well, duh. (laughs) You're not allowed to say that. I mean, You can if you want, but the point is this will help you dig very deep or at least deeper into that emotion so that you can loosen its grip on you because sometimes we reach a point of uh, a a negative emotion where we feel sad, for example, and then we just stop there. Okay, I feel sad. That's just how it is. I'm sad. Why do you feel sad? Well, so-and-so is not in my life anymore. And then I want you to ask, well, why does that make you feel sad? That sounds like a a dumb question, but it's helpful because it breaks apart what sadness is and what it represents inside you. It puts you into an almost logical process of breaking apart sadness, loosening its grip, and breaking it down into pieces. Well, I'm sad I'm not going to be able to Uh, play catch with this person anymore i'm sad that uh, i won't be able to go to the movies with this person anymore i'm sad this i'm sad about that okay so there's a bunch of stuff that uh, you can choose to write this stuff down or just go through it in your head but it can be helpful to write it down so i'm sad about this i'm sad about that and then you're going to break it down even further sort of like you're building a pyramid and every time you go down there's more items to question and the next question is well why does that make you sad I know it's the same question as before but let's just say uh, I won't have somebody to go to movies with anymore well why does that make you sad well if I don't have someone to go to the movies with anymore uh, then I'll feel alone okay well why does being alone make you sad So here's me going through the drill down process, continuing to get underneath the next layer and underneath the next layer. And, you know, it could end up at just, I don't want to be lonely. It could end up there. It could end up somewhere else. Why does uh, being lonely make you sad? And so that's a a drill down process. And there's another question that you can ask yourself, uh, which is how is that a problem? How is that a problem? Okay, so you're alone. How is that a problem? And you're really challenging yourself in a way here because it can be tough to answer these questions because we usually don't drill down this deep or dig into our issues because we just know we're sad and we're supposed to be. Of course, I'm sad. That person's gone. But let's get under the real reasons because once you are able to itemize a negative feeling... Then your subconscious mind has something to work with. Remember I said it would be nice to let the subconscious mind take care of this while you go to sleep and do something else? (laughs) I don't want you to have bad dreams, of course, but sometimes dreams are the way that things can be put together in your head and help you figure things out. And Again, these don't have to turn into dreams, but what you're doing is as you itemize this stuff out, you are surprising your nervous system. Not always, but... What, that's what ends up happening is that you learn something new about yourself. You learn what makes up sadness or what makes up anger, what makes up the emotion that you're working on. You, you learn the components of, the, of those emotions so that it's on the table, even though it's not easy. But it's a lot easier to deal with a component of an emotion than the emotion itself. I'll repeat that in a more clear way. Uh, For example, it's a lot easier to deal with, I feel afraid when I'm alone, than I'm sad. It's a lot easier because it's something more specific. Sadness is very ambiguous, even though I'm afraid to be alone is very specific. And there is probably a lot more under there. Why are you afraid? How is being afraid a problem? A lot of stuff to dig into and... Last week we had an episode on finding out and digging into the deeper layer emotions, what's way down there. So I'm hoping this is sort of an addendum episode that uh, focuses on loss and helps you connect with some things that might need closure. And let me just end this episode by saying, sometimes you're not going to get the closure you want. Sometimes it's not going to happen. And that can be challenging I understand sometimes you're not going to have the answers sometimes you're not going to be able to get past that you should have said something but didn't a lot of this stuff is normal and it's okay that may not help (laughs) it may not help you to hear me say it's okay but it is I want to make sure that you know that it's okay if you don't know you don't know everything I I hate to tell you, you don't know everything. You don't know what the closest planet that has life on it is to us. You may think there is no life out there. It doesn't matter. You don't know. Or if you do know, then I don't know where you got that information. (laughs) But it's okay if you don't know. It's okay. There are going to be things that you don't know that you will just have to accept. It all comes back to acceptance. I accept that I will never know. That way, I could move on. It's so much easier to accept what we don't know so that we can move on. It's easier. I'm not saying it's more fun. I'm not saying that life turns into rainbows and unicorns right after that. I'm saying that it's important to understand that you may not get the closure you want, and that's okay. You may not agree, but I tell you what, being okay not knowing things has been a lot easier for me in life. I've chosen to be okay never knowing if so-and-so did XYZ or I've chosen to be okay not having enough information and still moving forward but it does take work it does take a lot of work on your own self-worth and giving yourself permission to move forward and if you have any trouble moving forward keep an open mind because this is what helps you step into your power. I want you to be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you you are amazing.